Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Joe McCall and you're listening to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. And Tom Kroll with the Wholesaling Inc. Podcast. Bam! Bam. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so we thought we'd do something different and fun today on this podcast. Tom and I are going to record a show and put them on both of our podcasts. And I'm a host and Tom's a host. So this will be fun and different, I think, Tom. This is super exciting. We have a lot to share with you guys. Uh, Joe and I are going to share some information that is working right now for ourselves and for our students. So we're super excited to, to be go-givers and to just share and share and have give you guys some awesome takeaways. Uh, you know, We'll keep this the no-fluff, no-BS zone, right, Joe? We'll just uh, uh, give them tons of content to use right now. I love it, man. I love it. So those of you guys on my show that don't know Tom, I've interviewed him several times before. I'd highly recommend you go back to realestateinvestingmastery.com and do a search in the search bar for Kroll, K-O-R-L. K-R-O-L. Did I, was that what I said? Sorry. Yeah, close, close. Oh, okay. <laughs> K-R-O-L, and you'll find two or three episodes I did with Tom, and they were just fantastic. One of my most popular episodes to date, Tom, I don't know if you know this, was the one where we talked about the best uses of virtual assistants. Do you remember that? Do I remember? It's one of my favorite episodes. I, I that's all. I, I listen to my podcast and I listen to any podcast I'm on that I'm on. That's like my hobby. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. That's awesome here though. But I, I do know that if anybody out there is a one-man operation or has acquisition managers, it teaches you uh, a little simple trick yeah. on how to get out from behind the CRM and actually go out and get deals. You know, we always say that if you want to find a really good podio expert, find a poor acquisition manager at a wholesaling company because they know podio like the best. They can change fields and they can like move things around and create reports. So, uh, yeah, so it teaches you how to get out from underneath the CRM and uh, do it. So awesome. That's good to hear. Well, one of the coolest things about that episode, and I've been practicing and preaching this ever since, was... You know, sometimes the best automation you can get is a good virtual assistant. And we all need virtual assistants. I mean, I'm torn sometimes when somebody asks, should I put all my money into marketing or should I uh, get a virtual assistant first? And so, but my opinion, I think, is put all of your money and time and effort into just hustling and finding and and marketing and finding buyers. Once you do your first deal, find a virtual assistant at that point. What is, uh, what's your opinion on that, Tom? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that it's it's automated. Well, first of all, I think a lot of people they don't understand. You know, people like to use these fancy words like automation and systems. And really, the bottom line is automation to me just means if I'm not doing, and it's happening without me, and if I'm not doing it, it's automated. So really, to me, systems and automation really is delegation. Oh. So that's why VAs are so powerful and can really provide you with freedom because it, the, the freedom doesn't come from making money. Uh, it comes from the time. And I think that's, that's first of all, number one is most important. You have to have the correct understanding of what automation is. And then, yeah, as far as uh, where you should put your money first is it, I think that automation or fooling around with the CRM is sometimes it's kind of like education where when you're doing that kind of stuff, you feel like you're moving forward, but you're not actually making any revenue. So I love the fact that you said hustle because that's the key is you got to get out there and just get a deal. And that is the key with that system that, that Joe's talking about that we put in place. And that's something I used to do myself when I first started. That's how it came about. I used to be Podio Joe and people still call me Podio Joe. (laughs) And I was the guy who kind of introduced Podio to the real estate world in the US. And that was really cool for a time. And I think it was something that was needed at the time because a lot of the CRMs were expensive and clunky and complicated. And Podio itself is supposed to be, it's designed to be really simple. But what I did and what a lot of people do is they complicate it and they spend way too much time tinkering around. They spend hours and hours trying to get it to save you a couple seconds, which exactly. is just does not make sense. And Tom, you bring up a real good point. If you want to if you want to see a, an expert podio, a podio expert, I'll show you a broke wholesaler. 
Right. Absolutely. One hundred percent. And and that's the key is that, you know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, but Tom, you know, th- you use Podio. So how can you say that? Here is the reality. I used to use High Rise HQ. I still love and in some ways I do actually still use High Rise HQ, which is a very simple database. And then when we needed the when my team had to automate the business uh, for my house buying business, then we went to Podio. But here's the thing, guys, is that if you said to me, Tom, show me your Podio, I literally would have no idea where to go to show it to you. I have no idea. I've never been in to it. Or that's not true. I shouldn't say that because people have logged in for me and then I've looked at it. But I have no idea where it is. I've been in it probably less than five times since we've had it. So the key is, is that a CRM is not meant to be a tool that you use every day. It's supposed to automate processes that are getting done without you. As long as one thing to think about, always remember whether you're a one-man show or you have acquisition managers, you are only making money when either you or your acquisition managers are on the phone with sellers or belly-to-belly with sellers. And that's it. So don't let that CRM step in between the process. It's uh, Yeah, I mean, CRM, first name, last name, email address, property address, mailing address, telephone number, and callback date. That's what you need. <laughs> yeah, that was I was going to I was going to ask you. I love the philosophy that you have of the only there's only should be like five or six fields in whatever CRM you're using, right? Right. Yeah, people are taking notes. It's like you'll see an acquisition manager like six months of notes on one lady. She said that her son was moving out to from to college, and then she would sell. And then next month, it's like she said that she is now really seriously thinking about selling. <laughs> well, here you know, but that, that's okay if you want to if you have a VA to do those notes for you, right? Like. Yeah, I, yeah. I love, and if you go, guys, you got to go listen to that episode because, and then we talk about using something like WhatsApp or Voxer. So, again, you you need to be focused on your highest revenue generating activities, which is talking to sellers, which is belly button to belly button. And some of us, that's more belly than other, but you know, <laughs> you got to get in front of the sellers and talk to them. And if yeah. you, you can do this virtually over the phone, but the idea is focusing on your highest revenue generating activities: talking to sellers, making offers, following up. And so when you're talking to sellers, you can chicken scratch your notes. I think, Tom, you and I are the same boat. When we first got started, we were getting buried in Post-it notes and getting yep. confused with all of our yellow pads of papers and notes. And But when, when you talked about, well, you know what? Just take those notes and send a voice message to the VA and have the VA update the CRM with your notes. Exactly. Can you, can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, so so the episode that Joe's referring to will really deep dive this, but essentially you want to be on the road in front of sellers. And just from a 50,000-foot view, Joe, here's the way everybody if, – if you're listening and you – if you're somebody who wants to do their first deal or you've been struggling and you are fooling around with the CRM, let me, let me just say this. The, the bottom line is – and I always use this as an anxiety-inducing type of scenario. So, Joe, I know you're probably going to know what I'm about to say here. But guys, here's the deal. If someone kidnapped your children and or your loved one and they said, hey, your ransom to get your kids back is you got to go find a discounted property, I guarantee you, you would not be fooling around with a CRM or Podio. You would just go out. Understand it's a numbers game. Talk to as many people as possible, and you'd have a deal. You know, today is I don't know. Today's Thursday. You'd have a deal by end of day Friday, by tomorrow. I guarantee it. So I think that from a high level is key. But one of the tricks that we used in that scenario that Joe is referring to is we would use WhatsApp. The the and we get into more detail on this, but essentially yeah. the V would send a uh, send a task from the CRM, and then we respond via WhatsApp. This way, the acquisition manager or myself would never have to start texting or typing an email back. They would just say, "Hey VA one two three Main Street, the one you just sent me, please do this next task." And and we really deep dive it in that episode yeah. that you're referring to. Man, when I heard you talk about that, that was just life changing for me. I, I love it, man. Yeah. Cause I was, was necessity. well, I was knee deep in, in creating this podio product and like helping people create systems and CRMs to, you know, and, and I realized in my own business and just from students that I saw over and over again, getting stuck and getting deep in the weeds and, and not spending time doing what was really important. So our advice, I think we would agree is step away from the computer, right? <laughs> Step away from the CRM and right. just focus on, you know, one of the, it reminded me when you were talking, Tom, there's this video by uh, a guy named Frank Kern 
And he, somebody asked him in this video, this is like seven years old or something. And it's X, it's not X rated. It's R rated because it's got bad language. It doesn't have nudity. It has, okay. it has bad language. But he, he says, someone asked him, what are the, what's your best advice you can give to entrepreneurs? And he said, well, I, I have two commandments. Uh, number one, and I'll use the clean version of it. Stop farting around. Right. Number one. And number two, stop being a sissy. Right. And right. his point was, just like you said, if somebody told you, and it had all gun to you. If it was Osama bin Laden when he was alive, had a, if, if he had a gun pointed at your head and said, "I want you, you know, uh, you need to go make five offers," right? You would do it. You would you would figure it out. You would go to YouTube. You'd go to podcast and figure out how to make an offer. You would find a thousand videos in YouTube about it, and you would go make the stupid offer. Right. Well, l- let's be honest here, Joe. Right. The reason that people are farting around with Podio is not because they're really interested in podio. It's because they're avoiding the discomfort of looking like an idiot in front of a seller because they're just selling. They're just starting, right? right? They they don't want to get those uncomfortable muscles. Tony Robbins teaches us that in this life, we don't get what we want. We get what we can't live without. And this is the whole problem with real estate education. And not that real estate education is bad, but putting it in the wrong place. The way education works is you get instruction, you take action, you get a result and then you learn That's when the education comes in. But when you're putting podio or education or anything other than talking with a seller or taking action, what you're really doing is you're just avoiding the discomfort, mm. that awkward conversation, the not knowing what to say. And Joe, I'm, I know you agree is get out there and get a deal as if you have a gun to your head. Or what I like even better is as if someone has a gun to someone else's head, someone you love. Um, this way, uh, that you'll definitely do it for you – know, some yeah. people will do it for themselves. Some people won't. But everybody will do it for the person they love most, right? Mm. So it's – I think that's really the bottom line of, of – of what we're talking about. Is they just want to avoid they're just it's just a methodology. It's a it's a tactic that they're using. It's an internal defense that says, I don't I, I want to delay this uncomfortable action. So I'm gonna fool around with how to figure out how to move a podio field from the right side of the screen to the left or you yeah. know, whatever silliness they're working on. Oh boy. And and the Damn. other uh, that's really good stuff. You know, the other aspect of this is you know, stop being a sissy. You could go out and and um, people will spend thousands and thousands of dollars on education. Right. And uh, they get this crack cocaine high when you buy a right. new course, and I'm I'm guilty of that. I've, I've probably bought way more courses than you, Tom. And well, I'm guilty of it too. I'm with you. <laughs> but you get this you get this really exciting feeling like you're accomplishing something when you buy a course, you know, and you start right. going through it. And then, uh, but you, you'll, you we we will spend thousands of, th- of dollars on education, but we'll be too scared to spend a thousand bucks on direct mail. Right, <laughs> or or we'll be too scared to spend ten thousand dollars on a, a a probate marketing campaign or something like that. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I don't know what you mean. By that. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, exactly. Uh, so but like, it doesn't make yeah. sense. We need to stop being a little sissy and get Absolutely. our big boy pants on. I'm not saying this to you, Tom. Directly. No, no, I know, but I will. I will tell you this, guys, is that I totally agree with Joe 100. percent And if you take my top 100 students, right, Joe, if you line them up and you say, you know, what is a commonality that, you know, what is a, a, a common thread that runs through all of my top students? Here's what I'm going to tell you. They get the most results the fastest. They understand there is no success or failure. It's just getting results and then getting more results, and they are going to make it happen or they're going to die trying. I always tell them, I always say, I want you to, I want you to either send me a testimonial video holding a big check with a big smile, grinning and crying about how happy you are, or I want to go to your funeral because you tried so hard to make Mm. it happen. You actually die trying. Here's one thing that's important about education, guys, is like, Joe or I or anybody, no, but you, you, a course is not going to get you the deal. You are going to get the deal whether or not you take the course. The course is going to help you get the the deal. It's going to help you avoid all the the bumps and bruises and black eyes, and it's going to give you a set of instructions that are proven that you can follow. But you're going to get that deal before you get the course, not because of it, because you want it so bad that no one can stop you. If, If Joe and I stood in your way and locked arms and we said, you're not allowed to go out of the house and get a deal. You'd knock us out and you go and get that deal. That's what it's all about. That's how you get it done. Man, I, I love the way you talk about that, Tom. I love the, your emphasis on that stuff. You know, that's what people need to hear. They need a, a gentle kick in the pants to maybe even 
a little more stronger than gentle, but yeah, they, they need something like that. They, they need to get pushed. People need right. to get pushed. One of the things that, uh, I forget what I was going to say, but, um, well, that's, that's why, you know, a lot of people, when they get a course, it's like they want discipline to go through the course and do it perfectly. That's another big yeah, mistake yeah. people make is like this. It, it's better to have an attitude of progress, not perfection. But here's what I can tell you about any course and getting your first deal, especially this is really targeted to the people, you know, what I'm saying right now to the people who are, they want to get in, but they don't know where to start. Here's the deal. Passion will outperform discipline every single time. That's why we want you to insert in your brain a really strong why. You know, sometimes you'll talk to a struggling student and you'll say, well, what's your why? You know, why are you doing this? And they'll say some like, you know, some moral authority why like, well, I just want to open up a children's hospital. You know, I'm like, what? What do you – I mean, yeah, that sounds great, right? But here's the thing. You don't have to be a moral authority. All your why has to do is get your butt out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning. That's what your why has to do. That's why we insert that into your brain of, hey, your kidnaps, your kids are kidnapped. You got your ransom is to go get a deal today. I guarantee you, you will get a deal. If opening up a free children's hospital in your city or town doesn't get you a bed out of bed at four o'clock in the morning, it sounds great. Like you'll look good yeah, in church, yeah. but that's not going to be a good why. And and you need to have passion about your why to get it done and get that deal and just just kill. You got to be like a pit bull. You got to see that steak and you got to be, I'm going to take a bite out of that steak. I don't care if you hit me with a baseball bat. I'm taking a bite out of that steak or I'm going to die trying. That is the key to all of this. You know, uh, that, that phrase, you got another Tom Kroll phrase there that I love the passion and dis. What was that again? Well, it, yeah, that passion will, that ba- passion outperforms discipline. It, it's absolutely true. Every time, especially for the long term, discipline and willpower are very, very, very small tanks of gas, right? So a perfect example, if people don't understand what I'm talking about, just think about people who try to lose weight. They spend a lot of time with the hope and the education, right? So they they are hopeful and then they pick a diet and then they they buy all the stuff and then they never stick to it. Um, that's because it's discipline. But if you are single and you really like a girl and you and you fall in love with her at love at first sight and you feel like you're too fat, I guarantee you all of a sudden the weight just starts coming off because now it's your driver. You have a passion about it. It's not discipline. Discipline, very, very small tank of gas, very difficult, a lot of self-motivation, a lot of um, willpower, passion, totally – passion will out – Passion is endless. Passion will outperform discipline every time. And that's why you got to be really careful about which why you choose, but not try to be like a moral authority with your why, you know, your driver. Hmm. It reminds me of that rhinoceros success book that you talk about so much. Oh, my favorite. I'm friends with the author. Can you believe that Scott Alexander is a buddy <laughs> of mine? Joe, how did this happen? Even you, I'm honored to be calling you a friend. I remember when I first started, I I was on a vacation. I think I, I sent through Todd. My Tovac is my stepbrother, and I sent you a picture. I was listening to Joe McCall's podcast when I first started. This is three or four years ago. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was – yeah, I think – I don't know if you remember this, but I sent you a text message of me sitting – like all my whole family's in the pool, and I was sitting under the cabana listening to your podcast, taking notes furiously. No was, way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, By the way, guys, just so you know, I this did happen. Joe doesn't remember it. And just to give you another testament to Joe's memory, and this is absolutely true, Joe and I have met now several times in several different locations. And actually, in one place, we actually spent three days together sitting next to each other and like going out to dinner and breakfast, lunch every day. Every single time I meet Joe, he says, Tom Kroll, it's so good to finally meet you in person. <laughs> Which is like the that funniest is, thing. <laughs> and I wasn't joking either. I was yeah, like, I was not joking. I completely forgot. That we, that, <laughs> I'm not that memorable, I guess. Well, listen, I am looking forward to meeting you in person. Joe and I are going to be at the Wholesaling Inc. I yes. know I'm not supposed to ever you know, date these podcasts, but uh, we're going to be at the Wholesaling Inc. Summit. And Joe is one of the speakers. I'm honored to have him. And he's going to be there uh, January 25th, 26th, and 27th, 2018, Wholesaling Inc. Summit. Bam! Oh, it's going to be it. good. That is going to be, be really good. Where yeah. can people go to get more information about that? Tom? Well, they, they, it's only for tribe members. It's, but um, yeah, if they do want to do that, it would be um, just go to wholesaling inc wholesalinginc.com. You know, see if you like what you see, and and if you, you know, you, but um, you know, but I don't want to like, yeah. Let's don't don't worry about that. Let's focus on. I don't want to. This is not. We're not. This is not a podcast <laughs> to pitch anybody anything. So let's just talk All about. Right. Let's deep dive right now. How do we help people, Joe? I right think, now, 
what are we seeing in the market? I, I think what we were just saying is super important. Just keeping it simple. And and when we were we were at this mastermind together and we were hanging out with a bunch of people that uh, do way more deals than I do that are just they have these huge monster businesses, right? You know, like 15 people working for them, uh, right. doing dozens of deals a week. Maybe not that many a week, but doing a lot of deals, right? And uh, spend, sending a couple hundred thousand postcards a month type of people, right? And one thing that I noticed is a common theme as everybody was kind of talking was that it's the simple basic things. They are all really, really good at the basic things. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is something that you're a master of is, is, you know, you, you don't, you have a, what is it good at the basics or what is the brilliant at the basics? I was yeah. just reading that. It's a book that I wrote. I was just reading that this morning and thinking I need to update this, but it's, I don't even know if I do actually need to update it because it, I wrote it about three years ago and maybe I, I think I need to re-release it, but being brilliant at the basics. Don't you love that phrase? <laughs> I mean, I love it. And let me say this as far as right to be just give you a pointed response to that. First of all, anybody who's listening, you guys, if you're struggling or especially not even so much, this is good for the people who want to get started, but this is also, if you're listening and you are a wholesaler or doing lease purchase options or rehabbing or landlord, whatever you're doing, if you find that your business is a roller coaster, right, where you make money and then you're not making any money, and then you make money and you're on this constant roller coaster, one of the sure that is a symptom of one of the problems, which is is not being good at the basics. So these people will normally not be good at the basics. So if you ask them things like, when did their marketing go out last? You'll find out that they're the one responsible for the marketing and it's not being consistent, right? Consistent. If if I want to know how you are going to do today, all I need to know is what you did 90 days ago. And I'll tell you exactly how much money you're going to make today. That's one of the symptoms. The other symptom of people who are on this roller coaster business and not being good at the basics is they find something that works. Let's just say, for instance, wholesaling. They set it up, and then all of a sudden, they think they have FOMO, fear of missing out, and then they start to complicate their business and start to have multiple exit strategies. Well, now I'm also a rehabber, and I'm also doing this, and I also do that, and I do seller financing, and lease purchase jobs, and short sales, and foreclosures, and that. So what happens is now you become an expert. That is will make you some money, but produce a job, have inconsistent results, very difficult to scale, and will produce that roller coaster income. So. To Joe's point, if you are wanting to get consistency with your income and you want to have a business that runs without you rather than a job that you create that's very demanding, get back to the basics. I would definitely pick up that book. Joe, where where I mean, where yeah. do we I don't yeah, I haven't gotten the book. I go I want to read it myself. Where do I find it? Freebasicbook.com. But I'm updating the website. Don't so as we're recording this, that don't go there yet, but in about a week. I'll have it uh, up and running, but freebasicbook.com. I love it. And, there uh, you go. So one of the things I was thinking about, we were talking about education versus, or you call it uh, edu- instruction over education. Is that what it was? Is that yes, that absolutely. That is the, that's how I learn and that's how we teach. I love that because I had this one student who was a college student. He's a client, coaching client. Now, he wasn't originally when I first met him. But anyway, he listens to a bunch of podcasts. He told me a couple of them that were his favorites, you know. And I was talking to him, and he said, I got to tell you something really cool. And I said, okay. He said, I was listening to your podcast and somebody else's, and uh, they said that I should uh, put put out bandit signs or something. So he's in a college town, didn't want to do bandit signs, so he started putting ads on Craigslist, like We Buy Houses ads on Craigslist. And those just don't work, right? They don't work. Well, he does it anyway, gets a seller that calls him and says, yeah, I'll sell my house. He doesn't know how to negotiate. He doesn't have any kind of script. He can't afford a course. He's a broke college student. So he just stumbles his way through it, gets the property. Well, he doesn't have any contracts, right? So he goes to one of those office supply stores, like Office Max or Depot, whatever it is, and buys one of these generic contracts that you can buy for five bucks. Have you seen these contracts at the? Yes. Well, that, yeah. But I know what you're referencing. Yeah, this is amazing. I love and it. He gets it under contract, and he doesn't even. He tries to negotiate, but he has like again, he has no idea what he's doing. And so then he goes back through and he listens. He looks for a bunch of podcasts. Like, okay, now what do I do? And uh, one of the podcasts he finds talks about finding buyers. 
And so he just he did a couple signs. I think he did a sign in the yard, and he did did another Craigslist ad advertising the house or the contract for sale, and makes fifteen thousand dollars on his first deal with no course, okay, no right. contracts, no scripts, no magic secret questions, just right. by massive sheer determination, he figures it out and makes fifteen grand. That's the key. It, and and where was the education? Was it before or after he took the action? It was after. And here is the, another key takeaway that you're bringing up, Joe, which is so important. One of the other biggest killers of new wholesalers is anticipating. So what happens yeah, is yeah. they'll yeah they'll play a scenario in their mind where they'll say, okay, well, even if I go and find a motivated seller and I talk to him, the problem is I don't have a contract, so I can't go talk to a motivated seller because I don't have a contract. So now let me go research and find the contract. Here's what you should do instead. Go and talk to the motivated seller. And if you don't have a contract, go to Staples or get a napkin and write on the napkin, okay, my name is uh, Sally Smith. I agree to buy your home at $100,000. Please sign here. Bring that to the title company. And the title company is going to say, I'm sorry, you can't use a napkin. Here's the proper (laughs) contract and go back. But those are the people who want it. Those are the people whose kids are kidnapped. They'll do that. They'll move a mountain. They'll move a mountain, guys. That is the key is stop using education as a tool to stop getting results. You can get results right now. Don't be anticipatory about step 10 and allow it to prevent you from doing step one. That is the key. I see that over and over again, the anticipatory thinking. Worried worried about what ifs or yeah, but what if this happens? I call them yeah, butters. Right. Stop being a yeah, butter. And they're worried about steps seven and eight before they even start taking actions and doing steps one and two. And I'm constantly driving people back when they bring up these kinds of anticipatory questions. Absolutely. What about this? What about, I'm constantly driving them back to, okay, well, how many offers did you make last week? Right. <laughs> it's so funny. I have my, my father-in-law who has like no business doing deals, right? Lives in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. He's been working at the IT department of a hospital for like 180 years. He's like 250 years old, right? No business doing any wholesale deals is absolutely killing it at wholesaling. He said, he said to me just recently, we took the family to Disney. I said, well, how are you doing? He said, okay, well, I took what you taught me and I just do now when these, all these youngins come up to me at the re meetings and they want to know how I'm doing all these deals. I always ask them, how many offers did you make this week? And they'll say none. And I'll say, well, if you're not making any offers, you're not, but there you go. Brilliant at the basics. <laughs> I mean, it's so true, right? Like I'm doing, I'm, I'm moving podio. I, you know, I, I'm not making any offers, but I know how to put the mailing address in the podio and automatically send out an email when they say no. I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> how many offers are you making a day? I mean, Tom, can you imagine if people just, if they made it their lifetime goal, well, okay, not lifetime, but like if they made it their mission, like right now, to talk to five sellers a day, that's right. It. Don't buy another course. Don't listen to another podcast. Now, <laughs> we have courses and we have podcasts and coaching that we sell, but this is the truth. There is a place for that, okay? But Absolutely. Like, there is a place for that. We're not saying, anyway, if they just, if you just talk to five sellers a day for three months, do you think they might do a deal? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I'm telling you, man, it comes to and, – and the other thing too that I will tell you since we're kind of helping people who are getting into this or just starting or might be struggling, the other thing about not only anticipation and being anticipatory, which is a huge mistake, right? Not worrying about the hurdle that's down the block but let's just get over the one or under it or around it that's in front of you is uh, assumption. I, I heard this once before I think in a movie line that somebody said assumption is the mother of all mistakes and this is another major problem because new wholesalers especially are trying to find ways around things yeah. That they think oh, the seller is yeah. going to do. Like, well, why don't you give the price? Well, because I thought that if the seller knew that I wanted it for so low, they were going to be offended. So you assumed, right? Like, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you tell the cash buyer that you were doing an assignment? Well, I assumed that if this, so what happens is they spend all of their time, right? Like, why didn't you tell the seller that you were going to assign the contract? Well, because I thought if the seller knew that, that they weren't going to want to, um, you yeah. know, sell me the house. Assumption is the mother of every mistake. Here's the best thing about it. B, this is something I learned from Todd Toback. 
be a truth teller and a truth seeker. Don't assume anything. The sellers want to sell. They they want to sell fast. And and this is another really, really, really important point. Whenever people, you have to understand, you're never going to convince anybody to sell their home for pennies on the on the dollar. So you want to be a deal finder, not a deal maker, right? Yeah. You don't want to be a deal creator. You're going to, people either are going to sell their home for pennies on the dollar or they are not. So stop wasting time with people who are not. And here's how you know, every single homeowner, this is, if you're listening to this podcast, pull over right now and draw three circles on a piece of paper or on your hand right now, because you will understand everything about real estate investing in three seconds. Here's the way it works. Every single person in the entire country, when they go to sell their home, they have two of the three pieces of criteria that they are allowed to have at the sacrifice of the other. It's speed, convenience, and price. Speed, convenience and price. And you can only have two at the sacrifice of, of the other. So for instance, if you, if a homeowner wants to sell their home and they want a lot of convenience and they want a very high price, that is going to slow down how fast they are going to sell their home. They're going to sacrifice speed. These are not our sellers. These are people who say, I don't want to do open houses. Don't bring me a buyer unless they're totally vetted and you know that they already have the money and I only want this price and I'm not going to budge. What's going to happen is the agent is going to take longer to sell that house. Those are not our sellers. Our sellers want speed and convenience and they are willing to sacrifice price. People aren't stupid. You're not tricking anybody. It's not like they don't know that they're giving you a good deal. So when you take off that burden up from your shoulders of trying to assume things and, and be anticipatory and what is the seller going to think and what instead slap people in the face with honesty. When well, they ask you a question, good. just be honest with them. Tell them, yes, I, I'm. this is what I do. I offer speed and convenience. Everything's going to be done for you. I'm going to send you a mobile notary. You don't have to leave your home. I'm going to make it happen immediately. If I can buy this house tomorrow, just tell me where to wire the money. We're going to do it today. I'm, I need to make money on this deal. When, uh, when, uh, when the seller says, well, you know, are you going to live in this house? No. Is that going to prevent me from buying your house today? Be honest. As soon as you try to start to hide stuff or not want to tell them stuff, that's when you weaken the whole situation. They lose their confidence in you. You ruin the whole process. So be a truth teller, truth seeker, and always remember the three pieces of criteria that homeowners have to choose from, speed, convenience, and price. That's it. We're looking for the people who want speed and convenience at the sacrifice of price. They're out there every single day. People are putting them under contract and buying their houses. So just don't waste time with the other people. Just focus on those people. And if you're honest, it helps cut you through all the fat really quick. That's really good. Yeah, that's true. Being honest, you'll always win. Even Absolutely. if it means you don't get the deal, then you'll still win because that's not a deal you would have wanted to have anyway. You guys, everybody should hear – what Joe just said, it is so profound because he's been in this industry so long, he may not even realize, Joe, what you just said. But you see, what Joe just said was, it's not even a deal. But in the new real estate investor's mind, if you're honest, you might lose the deal. But what Joe and I know and experienced real estate investors and wholesalers and, and people in our spot is you actually are working out of the wrong space. You don't have a deal. So you're spending all this time and energy and focus and attention trying to save a deal, but you don't actually have a deal. You're still in trying to find a deal mode. So when you're like trying to hide and navigate these waters and not sure what to say and what not to say, instead, just take that burden off your shoulders, put your shoulders down, take a deep breath and be totally honest. And then you'll see if you actually have a deal or not. But that – Joe, you're a thousand percent right. You're, they're spending time trying to save a quote-unquote deal. They don't yeah. even have a deal. There is no deal. <laughs> they're talking to somebody who wants a high price. It's never going to happen. Man, that's so good. You know, and that's, and so when it comes to keeping things really, really simple, I, I like these simple questions like when you're talking to a seller. So, hey, you know, what's your situation? Questions like what would you like to see happen? I'm not asking questions about their house. I'm not asking how many bedrooms or baths. I'm asking questions about their situation. I'm asking them what would they like to see happen. And I'm just asking a ton of questions because I want to help them. I, I want to set up a win-win scenario for them. And when you have that kind of, a, I think, an attitude coming into this, that it's not just about the money, you, you honestly want to help people with their problem, you will make a lot of money when you do that.
Yeah. So anyway. I, I totally agree. I to, everything that some one thing I always say that upsets everybody is that it's it's you know it's all about report building, but it's this has not what we do has nothing to do with real estate. It, you're it has absolutely nothing to do with housing or the house. It has to do with people. It has to do you run a pawn shop. You want to buy something low and then sell it. Hi, that's it. And the only reason we happen to be in real estate is because that's the biggest profit margin. But you could just as easily run a pawn shop and do this with watches or cars or jewelry or computers. It doesn't make a difference. So when when you're spending so much time as a new wholesaler or and you're you're just finding out more about the house and the square footage and the ARV and ARV for anybody who doesn't know it just means after repair value and all these this jargon and acronyms and all this other garbage. Really, at the end of the day, what you should be worried about is if I call you and say, why is Sally selling her home? You should be able to tell me why she's selling her home as if Sally is your sister and not in a general, well, you know, they are uh, empty nesters. That's not a reason. That's not a reason. So one thing I always teach the acquisition managers is I want to know why they're really selling, the real reason. How are they going to use the money? What are your intentions to you, w- with the money? But yeah, anyway, to, yeah, to that point, Joe, I'm with you. Do you remember the guy who was at the mastermind talking about how do you measure success? He says, with a hug. If, right. If, how did he phrase that? It was so that good. That was do you remember? Micah, Mika, right? That was, um, yeah, that he said that was a guy out of Houston. Yes. And uh, yeah, he was a beast. He was awesome. He was, um, yeah, he said, go ahead. Yeah, when I get a hug at closing. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's awesome. how he measures if it's a successful deal or not. If the seller gives him a hug. That's all. We got to have him on the podcast, man. That was or now I'm fun. calling it on the podcast. Our Maybe podcast. this is a, yeah, I like this. Maybe we start a new podcast, just you and I. I love it. <laughs> oh, brother. But uh, that would be fun. I, I think we're both too busy for that, though, Tom. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, that's like the other project we were working on. We, Joe and I have – sometimes we get shiny object syndrome. That happens with entrepreneurs. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> but hey, uh, hey, good I, stuff. I like it. I wanted to ask you something else too about what you think about this. You know, I, We're talking about keeping things simple, keeping people focused on the basic stuff, right, and not get distracted with peripheral things. And one of the things that I've found that helps me and I have seen that helps a lot of my clients and students and people that I see do deals – they track their numbers. They have a scorecard. They have goals like every day I'm going to make three offers or every day I'm going to talk to five sellers. Every week I'm going to send a thousand postcards. I'm going to send 20 yellow letters every day. They have their numbers and they keep score. They keep track of their numbers. And when I challenge people with that, I see a lot of resistance, you know, like, oh, I don't want to be accountable to that, right? Right. Do you, number one, Tom, what do you think about that? Do you think that it's good to kind of manage by the numbers like that and have that kind of accountability and kind of a scorecard? Yeah. I mean, just because you know me, you probably already know what I'm going to say, but I would say absolutely 100% yes. You know, Gary Keller calls it the one thing. Mike Michalowicz calls it the pumpkin plan. You know, Darren Hardy has books on the compound effect that reference this and habits and things like that. Um, I went out to lunch with a very successful real estate investor a few years ago. His name is Mark Evans, lives in Florida and has a turnkey business that he runs, I think, in Ohio. Very successful guy, pulls up in a Rolls Royce, immediately liked this guy, awesome. And he taught me uh, a slogan that we still use in my business today called data, not drama. Mm. And absolutely – one of our goals, for instance, in the office is we want to make sure that every one of our acquisition manager gets five phone calls a day from sellers. So we arrange our marketing to make sure that, yes, they're doing follow-up, but they're getting five new phone calls a day. So that's one of our numbers. As far as KPIs, which stands for Key Performance Indicator, something I learned from Sean Terry, is we do track that also. But as far as a – so on our KPIs, we track different numbers in our business. But as far as a goal every day, one of those is five new calls per day. So, yeah, I think it's key. It keeps you laser focused. And if you want to know more about goals and goal setting, I think the, there's only one guy. I mean, there's a few guys out there. Gary Vanderchuk, I think, right? Is that his name? He's one of the guys there too. But Grant Cardone yeah. is the guy. And I love – I mean, Grant Cardone, you guys, he writes down his goal like two times a day, right? You have to be that obsessed with it. You, If you have a goal, you got to write it down. I do that. One, one thing I would also – I can share with you guys that works with goal setting is uh, you have to have – there's two things when it comes to goal setting that work for me personally that I use and it works. Number one is you have to have total, total clarity 
on the goal. You have to like be able to literally draw a picture of it. If you know, in different podcasts and, and YouTube channel things that I've done, you'll sometimes see on my whiteboard, there's like a picture. It's literally a picture of the goal. So I could, if, if Joe, if you asked me, what is my goal right now? I would be able to describe it to you in great, great detail, exactly where it is. That's number one. And also put a date on it of when it's due. And then number two is that I only keep my goal to one. So I used to have multiple goals. I'd have like three, four, five goals. Instead, now I only go from goal to to goal. So as of right this minute, I have one goal. As a matter of fact, I just accomplished the goal. It was due November 23rd, and I already finished it. Actually, it happened when we were at CG. Joe and I, I did it on – it was the first Monday that we were there. The goal was reached. So what I would say is number one is that – Total clarity, be able to paint a picture, literally draw a picture of it. So if Joe McCall calls you and says, what's your goal? You can tell him in granular detail and make sure it has a date and timestamp of when it's due. And then number two is just one goal. That's it. Just one goal is key. So I think that is something that for me anyway, has helped tremendously. That's fantastic. I mean, that's something that I need to do myself. I have too many goals right now, I admit. And uh, Oh, yeah. That was a problem for me for a long time. So I'm with you, brother. So um, I have too many goals. But that's why it's so important to hang out with people that uh, like-minded investors, people that challenge you, that push you. And it's important to surround yourself with people like that, isn't it, Tom? That can really kind of – Bro, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not even – I mean, we actually teach this. I mean, you know, Jim Rohn teaches us that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I did this as an experiment about – now this is almost a year ago. I did as an experiment. I took the five people that I spend the most time with. This is a logistics thing, right? So when it talks about your network and Jim Rohn is referring to, this is logistically – logistically, who are you spending the most time with? And I wrote down their name and I wrote down different things about them, um, you know, who they are, their balance, their work-life balance, their families, their net worth. I was like literally dead center. And I mean, obviously, Joe, you know, the people like, like, you know, Todd Toback and my, my stepbrother, Clayton Morris, one of my buddies. And these are people on the phone with, you know, two, three, four times a day, every day, literally right in the middle was Tom Kroll. So you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you're looking for those people, let me encourage you guys to say this. You want to find people who, and this is the key. This is really key. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you want to make a change right now and take action right now, you want to find people who are already at the destination that you want to get to. That is the key. Because if you have five people who are already, if you want to be, for instance, a retired millionaire real estate investor, if you find five retired millionaire real estate investors in your town and they do live in your town, they're everywhere, what they do is they reach across that divide and they grab your hand and you need five of them and they'll pull you across that gap because they think differently. They look different. They dress different. They smell different. They, they, they do things differently. That's why they're on the other side of where you want to get to. So yeah, I, I think your net worth, your network is your net worth and all those other things. But I think Jim, Jim Rohn really nailed You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Absolutely. 100%. That's why, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's good. On the phone with you, brother. That's why. <laughs> oh, shucks. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's it's key, guys. It's really it's really key. I mean, I made sure that I became friends with Joe McCall when I got in this business right out of the gate, right? That's why I was sending him messages three or four years ago telling him I was listening to his podcast, you know, because I wanted that guy in my life. And now I'm on the phone with him. And it's an honor. I mean, I really mean that. I'm not just blowing smoke up Joe's butt here, guys. I mean, this is the key. If you want to make a change, you you can't be hanging around with people. If you want if you want to make a million dollars a year, you cannot be hanging around with people who are making fifty thousand dollars a year. They influence you. You don't realize it. But just to just not to beat up this point, yeah, just not good. to belabor this point, but I just want to say one thing about this. When I was a kid, my brother Todd Toback and I, our, my stepdad, his dad, Jacob, stood on the fireplace, little stoop in front of the fireplace, and he's a big guy, and we're two little kids. We're like, you know, I don't know, eight and nine or something like that. And he said to him, us, he said, okay, you guys, I am going to stand on this mantle, and I'm going to try, and he grabbed our hands, and he said, I'm going to try and pull you guys up. 
And we, me and Todd were doing dead weight. You know, we were like fighting him and he couldn't pull us up. And then he said, okay, now I want you guys to try and pull me up and pull uh, him down. And because he was on a ledge, we fought and we jerked and we pulled him and we got him down. These people that you surround yourself with, you know, if you lie with dogs, you're going to get fleas. Mm. It's just the way. And I hate to say that because you want to love people and spend time and help people. But the people who are influencing you, they have to be at the destination that you want to be at. So if you want to be, you know, smoking and drinking and cursing and poor, then hang out with people at a bar who are drinking and smoking and poor and complaining about bills. And you will be right in the mix. You know, the world will have no problem bringing you down to that point. And if, but if, you know, if, if you want to be, you know, I mean, anyway, I don't want to be, well, I don't want to. It's the much point, easier to tear people down than to build them up. Oh and yeah. You just don't want to hang out with people that do that. Yeah. And, and the people who love you the most, they do it, but not, and this is really the most tricky part is that the people who are influencing you, who are not where you want to be, a lot of times you don't see it happening because they actually do love you and they're not doing it. They're doing it out of desperation, fear, abandonment issues. They're not bringing you down even intentionally. They actually would tell you that they have their best interest and you would say that they have your best interest. But the problem is it, they can't help you if they're not there. So it's just um, – it's a weird thing because sometimes you don't see it happening. You know, you might be with a negative person all the time. You're going to become negative. It's, it's really true. Hey, as we wrap this up, Tom, you're an avid book reader. I wish I could read as many books as you do, and I don't know how you do it with four and a half kids. <laughs> One's yeah. on the way, right? Number five's on the way. Yeah, number five is on the way. When, so Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, what are some of your favorite books right now? And how do, I also want to ask you, where do you find the time to read? Well, first of all, one thing I learned from one of my mentors uh, and one of my good buddies, Orrin Woodward, if you guys don't know Orrin Woodward, he is an author. He's built several massive businesses. One of them was $200 million. He's a guy in my life. He really um, made me rededicate to reading. So he is a key. Now, he reads four hours a day. I try to do that. It's impossible. I just, I just don't have that. It's not impossible, but it's just not for me right this minute. So one thing you do is you can just dedicate to reading one hour a day. If you haven't read the Bible, start with that, especially Proverbs, awesome, you know, chapter. This is not a religious podcast, but if you it, great business advice in Proverbs, but I, I also have Audible, which I do listen to in the car. We take a lot of car trips with the suburban. And I listen, I have a I have a waterproof speaker in my shower. So in the every morning I put it on and I could hear it in the bathroom. So the whole time I'm in the shower, you know, my wife always calls me like I, I take I'm like the hour shower guy, but I'm getting tons of data. And um but but I will say this. Audible does not replace reading. You've got to read. Every single wealthy person I know who is at peace in their life, who has the balance, they have wealth. They're not rich. They're wealthy. They have balance with their 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 family, their spouse, and their children. They have a happy, well-balanced, successful life. All of them read. They don't just listen. So, so I want to be crystal clear about that. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I just find the time. But as far as books that I I could tell you right now, my buddy Clayton Morris, he recommended a book called Thou Shall Prosper, which hmm. I'm, I'm listening to on Audible right now. It's amazing. It's a, You have to listen to it. And it's the reason why historically Jewish people have been disproportionately wealthy in the areas where they live. And the principles, it's written by a rabbi. I can't think of his name uh, off the top of my head. So that's an awesome one. I um, So but you – I guess I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Can you clarify that? Because it's not an anti-Semitic book, right? Oh, no, of course okay. not. No, I mean, I'm a Christian. I mean, it's about Jewish people, but no, no, no. It's written by a rabbi. No, and it's it's just about some of the Jewish – the principles in Judaism of why Jewish people tend to be – dominate different industries and they tend to prosper more so uh, in proportion to other groups and some of the – why they're good at business essentially. Okay. Yeah, no, of course not. It's not – yeah, I mean my – hey. Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. That sounds. I, I'm sorry to even ask that because the way the way you said it at first, my alarm bells went off. And oh uh, yeah, no, no, not at all. Of course, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, no. I'm glad you. I'm glad we clarified that. <laughs> sorry about that. No, no. But yeah, and as far as other books, I, I, I um, I mean, there's a ton. I, you know, some of my my all time favorite books um are. The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity is – if you haven't read that book, that's – if you join our tribe, it's mandatory reading. You have to read it. If you get on the phone with me, I'm going to ask you what the four principles are and if you've implemented them. 
As far as books I'm reading right now, The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins, awesome. Tools of the Titan by by uh, Titans by Tim Ferriss is an just phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal book. I like it better even than his other book, The Four Hour Work Week. Well, now, what can you? I, I have that in my Kindle. I'm looking at it right now. Why do you like that book so much? Okay, so first of all, it's a tr- it's a huge book. It's let me look at on my bookcase. It's actually the biggest book on my bookcase. What I love about it is Tim Ferriss has high level relationships with a lot of people. So he's broken it down into stories. So for instance, one of the ones that I, into very, very short little interviews, almost they're only a few pages each. I would recommend this is uh, definitely a book that you want to have either like Joe said on his Kindle or have the hard copy because you're going to definitely need a pen and a highlighter in this book. But for instance, I just read on page, I want to say it was like two, I don't have it in front of me. I think it's like page 263. There's um, a whole thing about building a thousand, like servicing a thousand people really, really well and how that's more important than servicing uh, a lot of people not well. And I can't think, I think that was, it wasn't Seth Godin. It was somebody else. I can't think of who he was speaking to about that. But anyway, that I, I pulled out a ton of good tidbits that I'm going to implement. And that's the other thing too about books, you guys. When you you know with books, you have the opportunity to pick the brains of people who've come before you. There's no reason to reinvent any wheels. Everything's done for you. When you're reading, don't be a philosopher. Premature, massive action, speed of implementation, sense of urgency. If a millionaire or a billionaire that you're reading says, go paint your car red, mm. go paint your car red. Don't. Who cares how you feel about it? The only thing that these people know doesn't work is you, right? So t- remove yourself. You don't have to interpret everything. Treat these books as instruction manuals. If later on in the chapter you read, oh, instead of using a paintbrush, I should have used a roller when I painted my car red, go back out and paint your car the right way. But when a millionaire or a billionaire says to do something and you want the results they have, treat these books as instruction manuals. Just go out and take the action. That's why the Tools of the Titans books, which is a new book for me I've started to read, is so awesome because it just gives you immediate, usable, actionable action, uh, instruction. But nice. premature, massive action. Premature, massive action. That is the key. So let me tell you a couple of mine that I'm reading right Let's hear now. It. And believe it or not, sometimes I like to read military history. And I'm reading a good book, really good book right now, called In Harm's Way. And it's about the sinking of the USS Indianapolis. And awesome. I don't know if there's any lessons I can take out of it yet in regards to leadership and business, <laughs> but right. I, I like history. And I think sometimes it's good to get your mind off of business a little bit absolutely, because we're just buried deep into it all the time. But what was fascinating about this is right after I started reading it, they just found a, a week, a couple, three weeks ago, they found the USS Indianapolis for the first time. They actually found it in the bottom of the ocean. Wow. Um, and one of the sailors who died has a last name McCall and is <laughs> on the ship. And that's not why I'm reading it, but I just thought that was interesting. And another book I'm starting to read that I think is just fascinating. It's about General Patton by Bill O'Reilly called Killing Patton. Oh, and I've seen that book. Yeah. He, How is that? It's it's good. It's good so far. Again, I'm trying to – I've always been fascinated with Patton just because – you can get a lot of leadership lessons out of him. And I've always been wanting to read more books about General Patton. And this is one of the first ones. But I'm also looking here, Profit First, excellent book. That's a mutual favorite of ours. Oh, my, one of my – I mean talk about a book that will immediately change your life. Mike Michalowicz, one of my yeah. favorite authors, he wrote The uh, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Pumpkin Plan, and The Profit First, all three of those books. If you're an entrepreneur – yeah, I'm with you on that. Have you implemented Profit First? Yes and no. I am. I'm in okay. the middle of it right now. I've been Wait in the middle of it see. for a long time, but I am. Yes, I am. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, talk immediate results. And th- the yeah, premise of yeah. the book is that most entrepreneurs they make a dollar and then they pay all their expenses and then whatever's left over, if anything, they take for themselves. What Profit First does is it, without having the discipline of a budget, it gives you the passion of the money coming in and it tells you when a dollar comes in, you take the profit first and then your expenses are based on what's left over. So you have to make your expenses fit in the remainder. This is key because you don't have to be disciplined about the money you're spending in your business. You only have so much. So it requires you to take a, a more a closer look at that without having to be, have the discipline of a budget. A bu- budgets very rarely work. Yes. Because it's, they're difficult and they're boring. Well, I, I just hired I just hired your same bookkeeper. 
Oh, did you really? Yes. <laughs> Let's so, not say her name because no, I don't want her. No, no, yeah. I don't want people to know who she is. But the cool thing is um, she's just waiting on me to send her my QuickBook files, which I have from my other bookkeeper. So I'm, I'm in the middle of sending that to her. But uh, there are Profit First certified accountants and bookkeepers. Yes. And how, you can, I think you just Google them and you can, you can find them. I'm looking at one other book, Tom, I have here called Rocket Fuel. Did you recommend this to me? Oh, I did, brother. So, so Gino Wickman is, you know, there's a lot of books out there for scaling a business or automating a business or essentially, you know, and by the way, we, you know, Joe and I are always using this term about automation. If you don't know if you have a business or a job, all you have to do is shut off your cell phone for like one set of like one quarter for three months, shut off your cell phone, close your laptop, do no work, go to Fiji. If your business continues to make the same amount or more money, you have a business. If it starts to decline or the revenue shuts off, you have created a job. Mm. So there's a lot of books out there. Michael Gerber has the E-Myth and Vern Harnish has Scaling Up. But the best one, in my opinion, is certainly Gino Wickman. He has Traction and Rocket Fuel. And I think there's also another one, but the same guy who wrote Traction. Same guy, yeah. Rocket oh. Fuel is part. Am I saying this the right way? I want to make sure I am. But yeah, I'm, it's Gino Wickman, right? On, on Rocket yeah, Fuel, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. So it be, essentially, I probably recommend it. I love it. It's a game changer. And what it does is it shows you that you, as the owner, are the visionary, and you need to have an integrator. All great visionaries have an integrator. You probably already have one at your company. It shows you things like you can be doing multiple things. But only one name should be in each box of the tasks that have to get done, whereas most entrepreneurs have multiple names in boxes of tasks. I'm getting a little granular, but yeah, it, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing book. It will change your life. I, I know it has for several people that I know personally. Very good. I'm going to read it then. I'm looking at I know I bought it from somebody's recommendation. I so I want to say one other thing, Joe, too, because you said, you know, I don't know how you read all these books. I want to tell everybody right now, I barely graduated high school. I, I got kicked out of college. I got a 990 on my SAT. The only book I read my entire my entire like educational career was Dr. Doolittle in middle school. And it was about a doctor who talked to animals, right? So here's the, what I'm going to tell you. When I used to pick up books to read, cause my brother Todd would encourage me to read up until, and I'm talking about, I only started reading like three or four years ago. I believed that I couldn't read. I believed that wow. when I would read, I would get distracted and I'd have to reread. I'd also believed that I couldn't retain the information. I would get distracted. I would get tired. I would read one page and be, you know, I was reading slow if you want it, you just start reading every single day and you will – so don't have any excuses around reading. Every single wealthy person I know has a, a few common threads. They read. They tithe. There's things that you have to do. So I'm going to tell you if you think that you get distracted easily or you can't read or you get sleepy or whatever it is – not that I couldn't read, but I just didn't enjoy it. Um, I thought it was boring. Just start doing it. I promise you there's not a lot of guarantees in this life, but that is something that I know for sure will work. That's good. And so one thing you didn't mention that you've told me before is that you read actual – you actually read in the mornings a lot, Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just I mean, this morning I was reading Michael Singer's The Search for Truth, which is 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 an okay book. But his great book is The Surrender Experiment. That is a game changer. Everybody should read The Surrender Experiment, too. But um, yeah, every single morning I try to read as much as I can. That's my quiet time in the morning when I can get some reading in. And it just puts your brain in a different pattern. I will tell you something very interesting, Joe. About a week ago, I was in the shower and I put on NPR News. I, I, I don't oh. remember why I did. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I, brother, I left that shower feeling dirty. I was angry because of something that was going on with like NFL stuff. And I was angry about something that was going on with North Korea. And I was upset and worried about that. And I was worried about like, and my brain was like, it was the crazy. I'm like, oh, this man. is why do not listen you guys. Don't listen to the news. If there's a bomb coming, there's nothing you could do. If there's a hurricane coming, all your neighbors will tell you. You do not listen to the – and I hate to say this because my best buddy is Clayton Morris who's – you know, actually now he's retired from Fox and Friends. Right, he was right. a host. But I'm going to tell you guys, shut the news off. It's negative. It's dark. It's sensational. It's all about sex and drugs and murder and rape and you, you do not need that worry and fear and – distraction and negativity in your life. It's, Man, it's, that is so true. And yeah. I'm totally guilty of that. And it's not has to do with whether it's a left-leaning or a right-leaning news channel. Oh, yeah. You know, no, it's, it's like it can bring you down faster than anything. It's 
it's just it's you get you get discouraged, you get depressed, you think about your kids, you think about your family, their future. How are we going to live in this world? And uh, I go through phases when I'm in and out of the news, but man, lately I'm telling you, I'm just so sick and tired of hearing about it. And it's kind of the same with Facebook. All the drama that's going on that you see in Facebook, you know, you've got to set your mind on, you know, there's this verse in the Bible, and again, this isn't a Christian podcast, but there's this verse in the Bible, right? Of Whatever is pure and honorable, uh, lovely, uh, et cetera, set your mind on these things. Oh yeah, one of my favorite verses. I can't think of where it is, but yeah, that's when he's talking to um, the. He's getting ready to leave the um, leave his his homestead, right? And he's talking to all of his employees. I can't think of who that was, but yeah, it's amazing. I, I that is, I was upset about something once, and somebody sent me that, and I, I've always remembered. But it's true. Yeah, you can't let that stuff get injected into your brain. It, it will absolutely bring you down. Shut it off. Go on a news diet. It's easy to do. And there's nothing that's going to happen in this world that you need to know about via mm-hmm. a, a television you know, broadcaster from a news station. You know what? I, I, I want to take take back what I said there. I almost apologize for bringing up a scripture, but I shouldn't. I don't, there's no need to do that. Yeah, I agree. I, I know I'm always like, well, I'm always like, actually, now I feel like we're just on a private phone call, but I always feel like, you know, it's a kind of a balancing act. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like, I, it's such a good thing. I, let me, but since we're on the topic, I will say this to anybody who's listening. If you kind of been questioning your faith and you don't know where, and I'm just going to go ahead on, on the limb and say this, whatever, you know, but I'm just going to say, you know, you guys tithing is so key. I attribute the majority of my success to tithing. It's something that Sean Terry taught me early on when I first started February 2013. I went to an event in Atlanta where I met a ton of awesome people who I'm still friends with today. Nazar, Blaze, uh, a ton of people. Luis and uh, my brother Todd Toback went there with me. But he brought up the Edwin Gaines book of the Poor Spiritual Laws of Prosperity. And Mm -hmm. I am telling you, tithing works. If your faith is weak right now, read Malachi. I think it's chapter 3, verse 8. And he talks about how if if you're not tithing, you're stealing from God. But I am telling you guys, it works. I have no motivation for telling you this other than telling you, like, if your faith is weak, it's the one place in the Bible where God says you do not need faith. That Test me on this. And here's the thing. You could do everything that I tell you to do and not have any success. There's no guarantees in anything in life. You could do everything that Joe McCall tells you to do and have no results and no success. But here's the one thing we can guarantee you 100%, that if you do this, it works. It's 100%. It works. Everything else is going to require you trying and focusing and working hard, and we can give you the instruction, but it takes grit and determination and perseverance. But this, I mean, when God says it's going to overflow, it's going to overflow. You can bet your life on that one. So there, one of the books I've recommended to you, and uh, is the, uh, the the blessed life. Have you bought that yet? I have it on my. I I'm, wait a second. Where is it? I see it right there. Tom. Yeah, I have not read it. I haven't read it, but I do see it. I'm looking right at it. It's right next to – it's right in between the one-minute manager. No, it's right in between who moved my cheese and multiple streams of income. I'm looking right at it. <laughs> uh, that it's – a, it, it's a Christian book. It's called The Blessed Life. Fantastic. One of the best books I've ever read by a guy named Robert Morris. He's a pastor down in Dallas. I don't know if it just got me at the right time or something like that because sometimes – you know, I highly recommend books to people and they read it and they say, ah, you know, that was good, but it didn't impact them like it impacted me. Well, this book just had a profound impact. You know, I couldn't read more than one chapter at a time. I had to put it down and just meditate on it and think about the stuff and pray about it. It was, and it got me super excited. It, it wasn't like a downer book, like that brings a bunch of conviction. Right. You're absolutely right. Because uh, when we're generous givers, when we're generous to the poor, to the church, and to uh, uh, to to people, and with time and money and talents and all that stuff, right? When we're generous, right. we get generosity back at us. We, we, we reap what we sow, and so why would we not want to give everything away if we want to live a blessed life? You know what I mean? So that's kind of what that book was about—just being super generous. With the tithe, and he, he lays the most convincing, st- st- the strongest argument I've ever heard of why we should tithe. 
I will one hundred. You have my word, my word, my word. I'm reading one book right now by Michael Singer. As soon as I'm done with that book, you have my word. I will absolutely read that book. So one hundred percent. And speaking of which, tithing. Anybody who ever wants to meet me in person, if you ever want to come and hang out with Tom Kroll every single Thursday, which is today is Thursday, I meet my pastor and a group of men from the church at uh, PGA, PGA Grill in St. Lucie West, which I'm headed to right now because it's eleven thirty-two and I meet him there at noon. So I need to jump off this podcast, but it's okay, been awesome man. spending time with you, brother. It's always and hey, listen, I am really, really looking forward to meeting you in person for the first time in Orlando yes. in January. I can't wait to finally meet in person for the first time for the fifth time. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. All right, brother. Well, listen, God bless. It's been an honor speaking with all of you guys. I really do have to jump. And uh, yeah, Joe, let's do this again. I want to tell more people about other things that I've learned. Like, hey, like uh, there's no such thing as time management. There's only priority management. So I have a lot of stuff that I'd love to share with you again. So well, let's do this. We'll, we'll do a, a second podcast. We'll talk about that offline. That's good, man. I'd like to I love do it. that too. All right. See you guys. God bless. Talk hey, to everybody soon. Bye-bye. Go yeah. to, go to wholesalinginc.com for Tom's podcast, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com for Joe's and we'll see you later. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 